I asking, what did he do to gain so much devotion in Kushada? Well, ma'am, for starters, he's a bona fide hero. He's a hero? Yes, ma'am. See, about a year ago, uh, there was a fire in the rectory, and it was during... Bible study at night, because uh, some of the old folks around here, uh, they like to brush up on the Bible before uh, they go to sleep, you know. Get right in case the Lord call them home. <laughs> yes. And wouldn't you know it, there was a short circuit. In the old coffee maker, the whole thing catch fire and the flame leaped up to the windowsill. Well, Hugh happened to be visiting his people and he saw the smoke. Well, what did he do? He burst right in and he carried out every last one of them oldsters. My goodness. And um, what happened to the church? The church is fine. I shudder to think what might have happened if God in his grace hadn't seen fit to send us all to you. You drink one, drink two, drink three Long Island iced teas. But your buddy's worse off when he throws you his car keys. Blue lights are blinking four o'clock in the morning. Saint Trooper makes you wish that you'd never been born. Better call Saul. Better call Saul. You wanna tell the world you're in love with a girl named Fran? So you find an overpass and you say it with a spray paint can. Blue lights start a blinking, those handcuffs click. You know who to call and you better call quick. Saul, Saul, you better call Saul. You fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. Stick it to the man, justice for all. You better call Saul. Welcome to the back-to-back podcast on the Count the Dings Network. This is TV Book Club, a nuanced discussion about television that captures our imaginations. I'm your host, Anthony Mays, and joining us this time around are Jake Hoy, Anthony Canton III. We've got the Australian correspondent, Matt Ruffin, and of course, the super producer, Jade Hoy. This week, we're going to talk about Better Call Saul, episode 8, Who's Hada? A little bit about Maniac, and then uh, the Deuce, episode 3 which was 750. So this was the 100th episode combined between uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, which is definitely an achievement. Um, and then, Interesting. Jay, did you want to get into the Guillermo del Toro tweet off the top, or should we should we go through the show first? Uh, what tweet? Yeah. Guillermo del Start Toro tweeted tweet. last week. Uh, oh yes, about, yes, 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 yes. About how he he likes Better Call Saul better. Oh yeah, sure. Let's go through the thread. Go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> is it a thread? It is a thread. Yeah, he kind of went deep on it. Uh, and you know, Guillermo del Toro, of course, is the director of the Academy Award-winning Shape of Water, yes. aka the fish sex movie that uh, <laughs> people either saw and loved or <laughs> didn't oh, see and call it, call it fish sex. Um, but he he went on a little thread uh, comparing the two shows and just trying to pull it up. And I, he said that basically uh, the way that it's structured is more impactful because – we know how it ends. He was talking, which is all stuff that we've talked about on the pod before. Right. Um, and then he, he said, one of the things that I retweeted was the key is Kim, which uh, of course I think we like, all can agree on, right? Is that yeah, Kim totally. is really the heart of this show. Yes. So I just thought it was interesting to get somebody else's perspective on, on that, that question, you know, like which is better. Um, so here I found it right here. 
somebody I like pointed it even out, more than Breaking yeah. Bad. Not to be a contrarian, but because the evidence stakes seem smaller, but the moral downfall strike me as deeper, more poignant. Mm-hmm. With Walter White, you were tracking a massive downfall transformation. Saul takes you by the hand as Jimmy becomes Saul Goodman. No good in him in small, painful tumbles. Kim is the key. <laughs> Even in his relationship <laughs> with Chuck, Jimmy was an enabler. He kind of loved seeing Chuck diminished. Both brothers wanted to see the other down. Beautifully laid out. By the way, was this tweet before or after the latest episode? Um, before. I think it might have been before. It was before, wasn't it? It's yeah. So Kim kind of took this turn um, that I think surprised everybody. Yeah. yeah. I, I think one of the things that's so interesting about Better Call Saul and, you know, opposing it with Breaking Bad is Breaking Bad to me is the thrill ride. Breaking Bad is the drugs. Yeah. And... It's better call Saul is the slow burn. Uh, yeah. It's the slow burn. It takes time, but it's like it's the it's the chicken marinating as you as you're cooking, and it's and it's getting to a point where okay, we're we're ready to we're ready to feast on this chicken, but it still needs a little bit more time to cook. But the process in getting there is so fascinating, and as I'm sure we'll get into with Kim, this week was an unexpected turn. But a really cool one, because I think what we initially expected was, uh, as this season had begin, begun to unfold, that, okay, Kim was just going to separate from Jimmy in maybe just a conventional way. She sees her law career as this. She wants this for her life. But this episode completely changes everything and just opens up a lot more probably scary possibilities for her and how her and Jimmy's relationship is going to have a downfall. Well, it's interesting that you say process, right? Because this show is so interested in how things proceed from one thing to another. Uh, Think of the opening of this episode, just how long they took to develop the plan that they had come up with. Um, And, how and Breaking Bad was also obsessed with process. Think of how many times we saw them figure out how to do meth, how much we saw them make the meth, how we saw them construct their distribution network, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but to the question of which is better, it's like Breaking Bad was this expertly constructed thriller that satisfied not just on the plot level, but also on the character development level. And Better Better Call Saul, to me, feels much more like a deeply considered character study of multiple characters and less invested in the plot because we're not even sure what the overall plot is except to arriving at Better Call Saul in his Albuquerque office waiting for Mr. White. Yeah. And I I think that goes into the conversation that we've had previously on this podcast of like, which could you start with? I think I'm more locked in than ever into thinking that you need to watch Breaking Bad first. And I think that Saul is so good in contrast in, you know, in in conjunction with Breaking Bad, kind of as a diptych of sorts. Like they're so complimentary. Um, And then the other thing that we talked about, I think, on the mailbag was. You know, the guy, it's the same guys making the show and they're more polished at this point. So it's a little better made, but uh, it, it might be know. interesting to see if they, you know. I'll tell you, man, I just finished. Yeah. I just finished my rewatch 
And I got through that second part of the final season, you know, the end run. Mm. And all of that's ridiculous, man. It's amazing how well they tied all everything together and, yeah. and just sort of the depressing turns things took so that like, you know, when, when Jesse, when they don't, when you get the hit on Jesse, they don't make it. They arrive where they're all at the money, Hank and Steve and Walter mm-hmm. and Jesse right. and, and, you know, Todd and his uncle arrive and they don't, they, they, they take out Jesse and, and I'm sorry, they take out Steve and Hank, but Jesse's hiding under the car and then they, you know, they're going to kill him. And Todd says, now, you know what, maybe we better figure out what he said. And they take him back and they chain him up and they start making him work in the lab. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable yeah. what they pulled off in that show. The stakes. The last two seasons were, were such a roller coaster ride. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? It was not, you couldn't, it's just every second you're watching, like, what the hell's going to happen next? And how are they going to pull it off? And I think about Jesse saying to Hank and Steve, this guy, Walter White, is smarter than you. He's luckier than you. Whatever you think is going to happen, it's <laughs> going to be the opposite. And that's exactly how it turned out. It was unbelievable. Um, I don't think Maze, that's happened yet on this show. By the way, Mays, um, your theory uh, that you've got to watch Breaking Bad first, I'm going to test that. My partner hasn't seen either show, and I think I might get her to watch Better Call Saul first. And she's a professional storyteller, so we'll mm. see how she reacts to the thing. Uh, we'll, well do an got experiment. a little control. Yeah, scientific. perfect. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I I think mainly the thing that makes me uh, believe that right now is that Saul is a little hard to get into if you're not you don't already have attachment to some of the characters, right? I, I would I would think so, yeah, because yeah, I the first know. season parts of the second, like I, I think it'd be pretty hard to get through the Sandpiper saga. Well, what if do you we didn't what, already know about Saul? And we'll what see. do you and what do you make of all the Gene stuff? If you have right. no connection to Breaking Bad, what does that even mean mm-hmm. out of context? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a huge part of what the of what the show is, because you, w- having that context and having those things to illustrate what you already see as the viewer when you saw Breaking right. Bad makes you even more fascinated to see how did Saul or Jimmy get to this point? And right. And seeing how this story has unfolded, and at times it has been slow, but it hasn't been slow in the way where it's been boring. It's just been slow, like you really wanting to see what actually happens, but they do such a good job of telling that story in a way that you can process it, understand it, and uh, really be intrigued at some of the different scenes in each season that they've used to do that. I got I got a little upset with the show this week. No, yeah. but at the at the halfway point of the show, and I remember looking at the time. I was like, "Where am I here?" Because the first half of the show really it was was just that was slow, and I was like, it, it, "It included the nacho scene," and I was like, "We couldn't have gotten this nacho scene like two episodes ago," <laughs> and like there really nothing happened, and then right at the midpoint of the the episode, things just started taking off. Yeah, but it is ten months later, though. Mm-hmm. You know, the, he's healed. The, yeah, we couldn't have had this scene until the time jump. So we, exactly. the only time it could have popped Which in was last last, was last week. Yeah. So and it yeah, was let's get, 10 months. let's get into it. Let's dive right in. Uh, so another, I thought one of uh, not the best cold open, but they've been on such a hot streak. 
Um, but Jimmy on a bus to Cusada, Louisiana, writing with writing letters with different pens, different paper, different handwriting. So we finally understand the the point <laughs> of the office supplies. Uh, I love his little slipping Jimmy uh, paying all the fellow passengers to write letters. And of course, he knows all their names. Uh, and then, of course, he just gets off the bus, drops it in the in the post office and, and gets, goes right back, turns around. Um, <laughs> the, I, the whole I, scheme actually made me wonder what were these writers doing in their previous lives? I mean, you look at Mike, Jimmy, Gus, Walter, they're all so actors. inventive with the crazy, <laughs> with the crazy stuff they do. It's all so inventive. So were these writers cooking it? Were they scam artists? Was, it, was there at least it. one scam I, artist yeah. in that writing room? From my world, my perspective, I, I was like, in heaven i was like this it is were, beautiful yeah yeah it That's was clever. not it was it was not on the same it was not it would like i i find it more clever like i almost compare it to the scene last season where jimmy gets chuck to go crazy on the stand right. almost in a, like a similar in a similar way but this even goes further and it, yeah it's just another example of to all of your guys points of how incredibly intelligent yeah. the writers are find a way to figure this out no it's like it's the macgyver aspect of the show right, right? Yes. yes they're always yes. macgyver <laughs> yeah totally it, same with breaking bad walter white was very much a macgyver character yeah with yeah. the battery out in the desert yeah. remember oh totally yeah. and the and the gun in the final episode that comes out of the trunk of the car mm. yes mm. <laughs> yes that was very very awesome. you know like what mm. exactly yeah, I mean, even desert. even at this at this point of the opening, uh, I definitely still had no idea. Like, who were they writing the letters to? To what end? You know, still hadn't really like didn't make sense to me. But no, they paid it, it off well. Absolutely. Um, but I gotta get to my guy. His agent got him back on the show. Nacho. Yes. <laughs> Shots to Nacho. <laughs> He's back, and it's uh, not happy him. though. Oh, it's a great scene though. <laughs> Yeah, thought, what a sad I, life he lives. I yeah, thought it was a, I thought it was a tense. really good establishment of of his character. Give us a little update of what he's been, what he's what been did, up what, to. What'd you think of his house, though? I kind of wasn't expecting yeah. that aesthetic. Not at all. He definitely got, got some bread. Got the Luke Williams situation <laughs> going <laughs> on. Two <laughs> <Two> girlfriends, <laughs> girls, some big art, big Give art, some yeah. drugs. Doesn't talk to him, you know, like yeah. really modern house, but. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, so we see him at the at the Michoacano, uh, basically playing Hector's part while Crazy Eight has is now Nacho. Um, wow. That was funny. Great, great moment with the the over the top dressed dealer uh, who's short on his take. No. <laughs> and uh, tries to get out of there too. Trying to square. I out know. Of there. <laughs> <laughs> so good. You're going nowhere, buddy. Uh, and then, you know, he goes back to the house and doesn't say a word, but you see him go to the safe and uh, pull out the the Canadian IDs that he's made for himself and his father. And, you know, it was just it was just two scenes, but it's like this is what Nacho's been doing. This is his motivation. You know, it's really subtle, really great showing, not telling once again. Um, and, you know, it's it kind of makes sense that he hasn't been in the show for three episodes or whatever, you know? Yeah, I'm really uh, uh, one of the things that uh, more than anything else, it always seems like Nacho is under somebody's thumb or under right. somebody's foot. And I think that's just the struggle that he has to go through, even though you see that he has some money with him. He got the passports ready for whenever I guess he's going to try and flee. However, right. that goes, I don't know. And then, of course, that ending. Um, 
which it's just such an understated way. Uh, what's the gentleman's name who comes who, who comes in? Uh, is it Laro or it's Lalo? So Lalo. Uh, okay. So Lalo, Lalo Salamanca, who you know comes in in the final scene, is very charismatic, making some tacos or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he is referenced in the same episode of Breaking Bad where Ignacio is referenced. So it's uh-huh. where Saul is introduced. And uh, Jesse and Walt take Saul out to the desert and they make him dig the grave or whatever. And then he uh, says, did Lalo send you? Wow. Uh, And then he also says, like, (laughs) it was Ignacio's fault. This is like a fucking Star Wars universe. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Wait, is is his nephew? I'm sorry, I missed what his relationship is to him, to Hector. We don't know. He's oh, okay. part of the family. Yeah. Um, they haven't clarified that yet. He's either a cousin or something. <laughs> Cooking the, the, the whole yeah, scene dude, it was show. great. And obviously, from the tone of uh, Saul in in Breaking Bad, we know that Lalo is not a good dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it was classic to introduce him in this way. And just, you know, he's probably going to do something really violent later. It kind of is similar to the way we see, like, Gus in his kitchen or whatever, you know? Like, it's when like Gus it, turns on the charm, he's he's such a such a nice guy, but it's not authentic. What's right. the line that he says? Um, it's it's like, I, I won't even be here. It's like, right. you won't even notice me. And well, you already know, once he says that, you're going to definitely <laughs> notice it. Oh, yeah, definitely. When he, when he tells him about the food, too, he tells him, you're going to die. Oh yeah, that was hilarious! <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's his opening line. Um, the, the, with the nacho scene, um, it, it really struck me that how sad and meaningless his life is. You know, it, it's extortion and violence and empty relationships, and he's sort of dreaming of getting out. In a way, similar to Kim, you know, she's looking at uh, for a way out as well. Uh, ever since uh, Jim, Jimmy got disbarred, basically, because her reputation is everything to her. In, well, in wait the a law. minute. She's, but well, later in the episode, she's yeah. clearly back in. But at that point in the episode, it made me think, yeah, these people are looking for a way out. Um, you know, they're in, they're all in tight spots. And actually, if you look at it, um, uh, Werner is kind of well, he's not looking for a way out, but no, Jimmy's looking for a way so. out of of his of his tight spot as well. He's always looking for a way out of his tight spot. But yeah, it's, it seemed it made me sad for Nacho that whole show because it didn't seem like there's a lot of joy that that scene. It didn't seem there's, like there's a lot of joy in his life. Well, he's um, putting he's playing the role now, right? I mean, that's what he's doing. I think that was what that was illustrating was he's playing along until he mm, can sure. sneak away, right? Um, and he has to look the part for everybody concerned, especially since Gus is now the all powerful overseer. Um, but I think the deception was that Kim, we were thinking Kim wanted out, but she wants to go in deeper, but we can get, yeah, to that. she does, <laughs> but we get to that later. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. let's, let's just, uh, let's crush through Mike's little, uh, plot this, this episode. And then we'll get to the Kim Jimmy, which was really the centerpiece. Um, so the Germans field trip just turns out to be to a local strip club, which is not as, ex- which is I, kind of weird. Uh, we know it's local because the, the bar that Mike takes Ziegler to is the same bar where he uh, punches out Walt in Breaking Bad season four, episode two. 
So it's like Mike's kind of local spot. Oh, that was the same bar? Yeah, it was the same bar. So oh, I didn't realize that. It's kind really? of weird. That Are you sure? Because it had tables positive, and everything. Positive. Okay. Huh. Um, pretty weird that they didn't take them further out of town. Yeah, that's what uh, totally. I think that's partly what I assumed is totally. that they were like 50, 60 right. miles away. I mean, so, when, I can't believe Mike didn't do that. Pretty. Yeah. But Mike kind of Mike is not on his game in this episode, which I think no. is kind of the point. So yeah. one, he the the strip club is local, which is kind of a mistake. And then, uh, you know, he sees that that Werner's not having like that much fun at the strip club. So he's like, let's go get a beer because uh, he's kind of friends with Werner at this point. You know, he's like learning German and like Werner's a nice guy. And so they, they're like talking but uh, then, you know, he decides to leave Werner by himself in the but, bar. Could I do something here, by the way, yeah. guys? Yes. I yeah. didn't say it, but a couple episodes ago, I thought it. I was like, this is the guy we got to watch out for. I just want to yeah. take credit nice. for that. <laughs> take credit, no, take for, credit for the thing you, didn't say, you didn't yeah. say. Definitely do it. <laughs> you know, it's funny, man. That's so because, funny. Yeah. No, I think the Kai, I said the Kai thing was a misdirection, though. You did. But we still don't know that, though. Well, okay. My point is just that just because he was a red herring in this episode doesn't mean he's not going to die. Right. That's true. That, all but... I said was Kai's going to die. That's all I said. Okay. That's that's true. But Kai's not probably the real problem because he's just a pain in the ass. He's just an asshole. He's a yeah. generic just middle an asshole. asshole. Like yeah. he, didn't, uh, he didn't expose them in any way. He just drew negative attention to himself, right? Whereas yeah, Mike, like, there, I, guess I, I gotta say this though. I let me just say this that I didn't find that idea credible. That this guy suddenly drawing the plans on a fucking barroom cocktail napkin for other people and then discussing how to solve the problem. I this show has been. Both shows, the writers do such a remarkable job. Mm -hmm. I just found that that concept strained credibility for me. I understand it works for the story, but really, this guy already knows who he's working for. Well, so but it for, doesn't for, it doesn't culminate in anything uh, terrible in this particular instance, though, right? So it's just kind of elevating the situation, right? Right. To it the doesn't to the next to thing that he does. Out. Yeah. Well, and I also, people do get carried away when they're drunk. I mean, I know that I've certainly said some things I shouldn't have said when I've had uh, a couple too many. Yeah, I also I think, think I also think like to, to to Maze's point uh, earlier. I think it was to illustrate that situation, illustrate that Mike was off his game, especially when he talks to Gus later. And you, we all know how Mike has been throughout all of both of these series. He's very self self assured, and he's very particular about how he wants to go about doing things and in this conversation with gus he's like i, I i'll watch him but i think he's okay right when do you if, ever hear mike talk like if that? anything strained uh credibility it was uh mike going to kai try me uh, if i'm kai i think i might try mike <laughs> the dude he can barely walk <laughs> wait <come on. laughs> Well, they both could barely walk in that part. Oh, oh my God. Uh, yeah, I, I thought uh, I thought the Werner situation worked for me because uh, they established when they were sitting at the bar that like how starved for attention he was. Because when the guy said Heath Wizen or, yes. or whatever, yeah. he couldn't help himself but correcting him, which right. even that was like kind of a tell and a giveaway. And like right. it was weird right. that Mike 
reacted to that and like kind of gave him a furrowed brow side eye mm, but yeah. but then still was like he's good um so it was definitely mike fucking up uh and it's because he has this like soft spot for this dude which is a rare thing for mike to have any sort of soft spot for anyone um i, I kept thinking why not bring the strip club to them you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what I thought they were going <laughs> to do. Mike is not a party planner. This is, but this is another aspect where that's what you would think they would have done. Just hire some escorts and bring them that's in to do it there. Apparently like, all they wanted, right? Yeah. Why take them 10 miles down the road and ex- right. risk the exposure? It yeah, seems see, odd. Yeah, because with rest and relaxation, I'm thinking they're going skiing. You know what I mean? They're right. going to do a, a bunch of stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hit the mall to do some shopping, whatever oh, you know. No, no, the strip you it. They already said sex. it was going to be girls. Well, that that they already said it was going to be girls. When Kai said, "When are the where are the girls?" Yeah, you know? That's it. This, you know, come on, Mike. That's all it was about. So yeah, the next day, uh, Mike, you know, confronts Werner with the coaster with the drawn plans, uh, and you know, explains that. He that just revealing that himself to be a German engineer working on a large project is is too much information. Uh, you know, Werner is apologetic and promises nothing will happen. And then Mike kind of has to say the same thing to Gus, you know, like he he's sorry and it won't happen again. Um, it's possible that that was too much information. But, yeah, like you guys said, it might just be a setup for the next the next yeah. thing. Uh, and then Mike gives uh, Gus a comprehensive report on the status of the lab, you know, the setback with the accident, the rock they need to blast, and then uh, Werner. Uh, and it's Gus, I don't know, Gus didn't really seem that bothered by it either. So, you know, well, that, that plot continues to dangle. I, I mean, they, they might have, they might end up taking them all out. Yep. I mean, it did seem like they're pointing in the direction of taking Werner out and that Mike's going to have to do that unhappily you know usually he's fine with whatever he has to do um to keep the business safe but this looks more like they're setting it up as a tough decision for mike but one he's probably gonna have to execute i mean does the fact that we know that the super lab gets built and that it's it's used and everything is fine in breaking bad does that take any of the tension out you know like what could really happen with the germans they're not gonna they're you know, buried the, under the, well, the lab is going to get stopped. That's that's why I think <laughs> they're trying to make us care more about Werner with the whole I've not been home yes. this long ever. My, mm, I miss totally. my wife. I don't have children. My wife no, is enough just, for me. Just, you just know, going into like, the detail of what they're doing, the, the you know, the blasting, etc. Right. Why even paint right. that picture? Yeah, I wanted to hit the, they wanted to hit the emotional resonance as, you know, so shows try to do, especially with a particular plot line, to your point, Jake, that we kind of already know how it's going to yeah, go. Yeah, it's tough to create stakes sometimes in these side stories where we do know the ultimate outcome and it's just like, well, how did they get there? You know, yeah. speaking speaking about process, right? We're now Maybe it'll going be a catastrophic process. accident and they'll have to bring in the French guy to finish the job. <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> it's or, call the the or the That's guys funny. from the bar. I got it all right here in the napkin. Totally. Hey, remember this blueprint you saw? Think you could finish the job? All right, let's let's uh, let's get into the Kim Jimmy, the meat of the episode. Uh, I really love this scene right off the top uh, with with Mrs. Wen uh, at the nail salon, where uh, she she tells she gives Jimmy some marriage advice. (laughs) That was (laughs) good. Take her out to a nice dinner with cloth napkins, bring flowers, apologize for everything. Then she leaves him the bottle of booze. Thought that was just a nice little moment uh, with with Mrs. Wen, who mostly just kind of sassed him early on. Um, and then Kim goes to meet with, uh, Susan Erickson. Hold on. That was great too, because that was another misdirection that they've been putting us on since the last episode about Kim, Kim seeming like a more traditional partner. Oh, like the fact that it's not his wife, you mean? Well, meaning that, you know, what she's after is an apology. And that turns out that's not at all what Kim was after. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Right, right. Right. Well, yeah, right, he right. he says uh, we're past that, but I, right. I don't really think that that was ever would ever be the move with Kim, you know. Right. Um. So then she goes to meet with uh, Suzanne Erickson. She trots out the death lineup. Uh, full court press, three four hundred dollar an hour associates, uh, and she. It seemed like she was trying to intimidate uh, Suzanne into a reduced sentence, but you know, obviously the additional motions delay everything. Uh, and then there's that weird reaction when she walks out of the office. Uh, what did you guys think Kim was thinking there, especially in light of how she flips at the end of the episode? Uh, I watch with subtitles, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I'm, <laughs> I I actually had to rewind that brief moment when she walks out. And it said in the subtitles, shaking uh, breath. Weird. So, and so, are you watching some foreign language bootleg edition? No, no, no. It's Netflix. I mean, uh, the uh, Xfinity the AMC one. Because yeah. you, you can hear her her breath like shake, like she's super nervous, right? Mm-hmm. So she, yeah, was, well, she's running. She's basically running a scam, right? I yeah. didn't get that. And, and there, are, there yeah. are deep consequences if she gets caught doing this. She's she probably gets disbarred as well. So I read. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was yeah, just no, going to say that I, I, I in thought any she... cases, go ahead. I just find Kim difficult to read. Like she's mm. a challenge to read. Like there's an intensity there, but I'm not always sure in what direction it's going. You know, right. I just thought she you made a play there and it didn't really work. Like the woman's like, all right, see you in right. trial. Yeah. And she yeah, was I mean, like, I kind of oh, thought that as well. I oh, thought it was it. like, she just was trying to end it right there. Right. You thought, you yes. thought Kim expected. Yes. I don't know though. See, I, but you she know had what, the though? other plan the but whole she time. She had the whole other thing yeah. to come in front of it. And I, I think that was just one wave of the initial plan. So let's start here. And you couple this with the onslaught of the letter campaign um, yeah. she's mm-hmm. sure to go down. So I don't, I didn't read that as, as she was nervous about having failed yet. It was also, it was adrenaline too. You know, she, it was, it was the first step in the plan, but it, it's right. very adrenalizing when you have to walk into a confronting situation and carry it off without showing what you're doing. And then that, that's further carried on when she go, takes Jimmy into the stairwell and, you know, throws him against the wall and starts passionately kissing him. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. to get rid of the tension of the of the moment for her. 
Yeah. So then uh, we we realize uh, later in the episode uh, who the target for the letters is, and it's Judge Munsinger who's back, uh, and he is just not having it. He doesn't want any part of this. He doesn't want a bunch of Southern Methodists showing up at his at his church uh, picketing the case, and so he basically demands that the case gets settled. Uh, so Erickson goes back to her office. She gets all of her uh, slightly less uh, well paid associates and has them all rip the letter through the letters eventually coming across the phone numbers and in just my head i was just like yeah burners baby oh you knew boy see i didn't at first i thought somebody made a mistake by putting their number in i love that see i couldn't tell what what, i couldn't tell what saul was doing in the the nail salon I, i had to rewind it again there i was like what are those it didn't occur to me that those were phones right so, so the letter, so they, she calls one of the letters or one of the phone numbers on the letter, which, uh, is picked up by one of the film students who, uh, who show up every season or in uh, better call Saul, but this is their first appearance this year. And so Jimmy's got all of the burners laid out on the table with the names and the backstories attached to them. Uh, they're only answering like every third one. Um, and he, so he like carefully kept track of, of this in his notebook when he was on the bus. That was part of the montage earlier. And, uh, they just, he just dunks all over Suzanne Erickson. It's so great (laughs) when he, when he impersonates the, the church pastor, it's just, that's some of the best Bob Odenkirk we've gotten this year. Tremendous. Do you think that that, by the way, is a setup for later in, in the, the series, he has a distinctive voice. And even though he was disguising it and throwing in, you know, Cajun patois and whatever, if he runs into that lawyer and hears Jimmy's distinct voice, and he did leave some of his distinctive quirks in, in yes, his voice when he was doing that conversation, Dude. he's going to get caught by her later on, I think. Dude, I thought that exactly when they're, for some reason, when they're in the bed and he did it, I'm like, man, I hope that woman's not in the house. You're coming. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I really I thought that, honestly, not that she'd be in the house, but still, like, that's exactly right. I totally well, she think that. probably already knows him or right. Yeah, she already doesn't like him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We talked last episode about how they met in season two when he defended Mike. Right. Uh, so she already doesn't like him. Right. But uh, I, yeah, I so a- it, it's definitely. I don't. I don't know if it'll pay off. But it, it, if she sees him again, she's definitely not going to greet him well. Um, I loved how I loved how that also had the the church the church website with those silly pictures of Huel, oh, uh, which is a scheme that they that Saul reuses in Breaking Bad uh, when he makes the like Save Walter White website. Um, similar similar scam. Uh, and and after after all that evidence, uh, Erickson is you know she's done. She goes. She meets with Kim. Kim negotiates down the the sentence. And then of course the passionate kiss in the in the hallway in the stairwell. You know rare passion as we've talked about. Um, but it's it's nice to see. I think it was a yeah. first. No, I mean, there's I been a moment like that before. Earlier in the season, there was. I think one of the thing that was was really fun was the idea that throughout this episode it had looked at least for the first half of it that kim and jimmy were just completely this was like going to be the end of it for them but at the at the outset like as we get towards the end then it even gets we get that passionate side and then we see the how how competitive kim is 
for for all of these things. Yeah, and it's just it's just nice to see like especially the the cuddling scene. It's just nice to see them yeah. enjoying each other. Right. Uh, spending time with you know especially with that montage for the eight months where they were where they were really emphasizing the distance yeah Uh, it's just so nice to have them you know happy relieved proud of themselves they both clearly just have that like adrenaline junkie aspect of their personalities where they get a thrill out of all this stuff which was kind of why the like reaction when she walked out of the office was weird to me but um yeah. Then, you know, she's, back to she's reality. Not, she's not just an adrenaline junkie. She's actually enjoying this dark side of things. She and the, liked- comp- the competition of it. Because, I mean, we've seen her get bored before, earlier in the season with Mesa Verde. She's yeah. just like, eh, I don't really want to do this. And she started taking on the criminal yeah. cases, pro bono cases. Yeah. And now on this larger scale, she was really interested in this caper. Yeah, and but the, remember, we've seen right. it before. With her being right. interested in doing stuff with Jimmy like that. She gets a kick out of mm. it. And then she she actually turns him down at one point earlier this season when he proposes something of that nature, right? She backs away and as if she's out of that game. But here she is, like he 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 stands there and runs through the litany of things that they did that would have them disbarred instantly. Right. Yeah. And, right. And, and like they're serious contempt of court, yeah. hundreds of counts of mail fraud, serious offenses. And she's yes. like, let's do it again. again. That's basically like if she, you know, you were sneaking drugs uh, home and your wife caught you and said, I just want you to share them with me. And you're like, oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. Pro bono cases are a real porn. gateway drug, Jake. <laughs> what? <laughs> pro bono cases are a real gateway drug. Exactly. <laughs> it's definitely an addiction for her. Wow. I mean, you know, it, but it's an it's a background addiction. She was it's looking for a substitute. Want to indulge and yeah. she knows about she knows she's got it and she knows she can't indulge it if she wants to be safe and secure. But it, it breaks through once in a while and she has to go back for the rush for the kick. Yeah. So we, you know, we can see her totally aloof and uninterested in the, the Mesa Verde meeting the next day. Uh, and then later in her office, she looks at the Zafiro Anejo tequila bottle cap. Yeah. Uh, so this was a great little moment when I watched it. I was like, what the hell is that thing? I'm obviously supposed to know what that is. So, uh, it's a souvenir from her con with Jimmy in season two, episode one, where they tricked that dude into buying them all the shots of tequila. Yes. Uh, it's also, uh, so Jimmy bought them a bottle of, of the tequila in season three, episode nine to celebrate, yeah. to celebrate Sandpiper. Um, Kim like didn't show up. So he had a shot with Francesca. Uh, so then this is also, that's the same tequila bottle that they finish in season in the, in episode one of this season while they're mourning Chuck's death. Uh, and it's also the same tequila that Gus yeah. uses to poison yes. Don Ladio. I was going to say. In, uh, Breaking yep. Bad season four, episode 10. Yep. So just yep. another another little. You That's know, where it makes its debut is in yes. that episode. Yes. Jesus right. Christ. That mm-hmm. big pool assassination yeah. <laughs> scene. Remember that? <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, that was yeah. great. That may be the, uh, maybe the best scene in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Where uh, Gus, where Gus up there. throws up the it's poison. Up there. Certainly up there. Yeah, it's yeah. up there. Yeah. It's Gus a turn. takes the poison himself. It's so great. Yes. And I mean, mm. remember Mike says to Jesse, either we're all getting out of here or none of us are going home. Because <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Jesse's like, what the fuck is going on? Because they think he's staying there working in their lab. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, man, so yeah, that this, was such a good episode. Come on, this Guillermo. Tequila, come this on, tequila dude. is uh, just a great, you know, totem of of like especially with Jim and or with Jimmy and uh, Kim's um like relationship with like playing tricks and doing cons or whatever. Um, so it's, it's a big symbol for them and their relationship. So it's perfect for her to be holding that. And then of course, uh, she goes to surprise him at another shitty office that he's looking at. They share a cigarette. Uh, and then she says she wants to do it again. And what on earth does that entail? <laughs> I think it's it's going to definitely set up the worst uh, possible scenario and what is going to be the cause of whatever splits these two apart. And however it goes, I guess however uh, Jimmy processes that and deals with that is you know probably going to be really heartbreaking because I think you know I, I had said it earlier in the pod, but we had gotten the we already had known that this was kind of going to happen, but the way that it's now headed with Kim embracing it opens up the possibilities of things ending even more worse than what Kim's we would have die. expected. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I had the same thought. Uh, I, I wonder whether in a yeah, season that, or two, that's what actually turns Jimmy full time, you know, into Saul. Right. Yeah. That could be it. Oh, definitely. It, it definitely yeah. opens up the possibility. That's yeah. the moment. That'll be the moment for sure. But um, yeah, she's gonna die now. I didn't think she'd die before. I thought it was a split. Right. Now, now it's yeah, well, death. I'm pretty sure I said like I I, I hope they just have a fight and break up. <laughs> well, because it's, that- it's going to involve like the the you know the underbelly of society some somehow right. Yeah, if yeah, she, if she meets Nacho it's, or it, she meets he, Gus or she meets Mike, it's done. As an analogy, she's going to get caught in the crossfire. I don't know if that'll literally right. happen, but you know what I'm saying? I agree, yeah. Jay. Yeah, something yep. of that nature. Because now it's funny, like I was thinking, okay, so her with the cigarette now fully establish her as like the femme fatale kind of character, right? Nice. Because the cigarette is symbolic of her other side. Yeah, right, because totally. now she's leaning against the wall because they never smoke otherwise. It was it was a callback to the HHM days, I thought. Right, no, it definitely was, but now mm. it's a symbol of like it's it's what always drew it's being him, bad, true her Literally, to him. It's, it's, it's being, being bad. bad, exactly. Doing a bad thing, smoking a cigarette. Because they Maybe never they called this series "Being Bad, Not Breaking Bad." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, the the thing that I uh, one last thing that I thought was interesting was right before Kim flips it. Uh, you know, Jimmy says to Kim, it won't happen again. So it's the third time that we hear it won't happen again this episode. Werner to Mike, Mike to Gus, and then Jimmy to Kim. Um, oh. Just kind of like, the, you know, oh, everything nice. kind of have synergy like that again. Catch that. Mm. But that's very nice. Yeah. And yet, and she turned that on its head instantly. She was the only yep. one who didn't give the affirmative, right? Run that Everybody- by me again? What? Uh, so Werner said it won't happen again to Mike. Mike said it won't happen again to Gus. And then Jimmy says it won't oh happen again to him. Oh, my God. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> that's just very clever. They're very shows. good like that. It's the best yeah. show on TV. There's nothing better than this. Yeah, on a, this on was, a process this is a great note, episode. Um, episode eight's usually the peak in a season. Like, you know, the Game of Thrones always peaked in episode eight, and then it's sort of... No, nine. 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 Okay, okay, I got that wrong. Nine. Uh, I was going to say, this Matt, is just another building Maybe episode. in Australia, too. <laughs> 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 the conversion rate, you know? 
<laughs> oh goodness gracious, <laughs> JQ too much. Nine was always the peak, <laughs> and then ten was the setup for next season. Right, right. Okay, so I'm I'm an episode early, uh, but I, I was thinking this is just another building tension episode. I so I guess we got we got an explosive one coming up. I think ten will be the one though. I don't think nine will. Yeah. We still we still oh, got this, we I still see. got some ways to go here. I agree. The season screams cliff, cliffhanger to me. Yes, yes. big time. Big time big cliffhanger. Time. Um, yes. Next episode is called Wieder Siehen, which is basically German for meet again or reunion. Um, you know, obviously that could apply to, that's probably applies to uh, Werner and the boys. Um, hmm. But, you know, maybe, maybe that means uh, Lydia comes back. You never know. I so, couldn't make any sense of the uh, coming attractions on this yeah. one. Oh, I've given up. I've right? given up on that. Oh, wait, hold uh, on. They edit the crap out of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All I know is that Lalo is going to take Nacho on a on a little uh, excursion. Wait, um, how do you know that? It's in, like, the description. Oh, okay. Oh, you read ahead. By the way. It's in the description of the next week's gotcha. episode. Thing. I like right. the extended episode, too. What do, you, what do you mean? It was longer than usual. It was, yeah. It was, yeah, a, it was it about, a little longer, yeah. Like was there was twelve minutes longer. One fourteen, one fifteen on my in yeah. total with the commercials. There was like there was five acts in this in this one. Where normally there's like three or four. Ah, um, oh. Because oh. of the commercial breaks and stuff, they use their commercial breaks really well in this show. Yes. Uh, just because it's they they block it out so nicely. Um, so that's that was a great episode of uh, a Better Call Saul. Looking forward to next week. Um, get some payoffs, clo get closer to the finish. Uh, and Kim wants to do it again. I'm very excited. All right, let's, let's get into Maniac. So, we're going to talk a little bit about Maniac, which is the new Netflix limited series based on a Norwegian TV series of the same name and created by Patrick Somerville, uh, a writer from The Leftovers, and Carrie Joji Fukunaga, who of course directed True Detective, uh, Beast of No Nation, and is going to be the director of the upcoming Bond film. It stars Emma Stone and Jonah Hill. And... I don't really want to get into too much of a spoilery conversation. Uh, I just kind of want to talk about what it like a show like this that's so heavily referential and and uh, and takes so much from so many different elements of pop culture, science fiction, uh, and kind of presents itself in a new a new story. Um, but the main thing that I wanted to get into is what is the difference between paying homage to something and being derivative? Where's the line? Uh, on this show in the past, we talked about Castle Rock kind of going too far into being derivative with the, the footsteps, like The Shining, uh, on the world's worst TV show in America, Ballers. They made terrible references to Get Out and Black Panther in the last oh, episode. Man. Don't get me started. Uh, <laughs> Stranger Things has been kind of recognized by the culture as something like this that is good. It's nostalgic, right? And we like that. 
But Maniac is very well made. I really enjoyed it, but it's not as good or as interesting as all of the things it references. So mm. how do you guys feel about where is the line on paying homage or being derivative? That's that's a tough question. Mm. I mean, it's, I mean, all, it's about all about the, delivery, the execution. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it's funny because as soon as that truck went off the road and I'll be careful not to spoil too many things for people. I was like, Oh, inception, right. When they're, so they're kind of floating in the yeah, air so I, I got and then all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden I'm like going, Oh, it is a lot of inception. Isn't Hold this on. whole thing is like Hold inception on. meets sunshine, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. But yep. Directed two. by Terry Gilliam. You know what I mean? I believe Maze has asked himself a question, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, the Terry Gilliam connects to the Don Quixote, uh, Jake, because Don Quixote is uh, a theme in this, in this tale as well. Um, I agree. It's how it's handled. And it's, you kind of don't know how you feel about it until you just watch it. And it's kind of like a gut reaction, right? Like, Oh, that was good. Oh, that was bad. Right. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to properly evaluate it. Well, this was a show where I, I kept watching cause I less because I was compelled to get to the next episode and more so because I was like, what the hell is this? And I do, I like the director and I like the vision and there were certain attributes that kept me interested, mainly some of the characters, not the main characters necessarily, some yeah. of the side characters and just wanting to know how they might pull it off. The, like the doctors? Azumi. Yeah. Yes. Huge fan uh, right? of her. Right? Speaking She's, of femme fatale smoking cigarettes. I yes. love I love her character yes, so much. Exactly. <laughs> There's so much smoking in this series, it kind yeah. of blew my mind, right? And that future retro thing. Um but uh what's his name from the leftovers? Yeah, uh Justin, Justin Theroux. Yes. Playing Dr. Uh, James Mantle Ray. Dr. James Mantle Ray, right. And um um the horrible hairpiece. The weirdness factor. He was kind of doing his best, John Turturro, in this thing. He's gotten good though. I, I think he's he's a pretty compelling actor. He's done some. He's very much into the whole weird thing because he also did that other Netflix original. Yeah, the mute that, movie. Yes. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really liked him in that movie too. Yeah, that it movie was, was with Paul Rudd and it was Duncan bad, Jones. Except he was good. Yeah, mostly bad. Right. Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought that. I kind of was like, oh, this is a really interesting concept Netflix movie, and I clicked on it, and then like three quarters of the way through, I was like, why Why am I still watching? Totally. <laughs> Same thing. I was like, this is actually terrible. It's actually not good at all. Except Paul Rudd and the and he were good, but the, the main guy, the Skarsgård, was terrible. Yeah. That whole through line was awful. Yeah, and so, that's a that's a movie that tries to do a lot of the same things that yes. Maniac does, but yeah. does not do it nearly as well or as effectively. Well, so I, I so I have a question for you guys. Based off of me only having seen one episode of this, um, how did you guys feel about Jonah Hill being cast in this particular role? Considering everything that we've seen him in before, were you guys fine with it? Um, uh, I it, I did not really. He was he's not in the top five or 10 things that I liked about this show. No. Well, that answers my question. Uh, I, I don't yeah. necessarily, I'm not necessarily saying that he was bad. I right. thought his character was kind of uh, positioned to be 
more reserved and uh, less fun, way less fun than Emma Stone's character. Yeah. And I don't necessarily even know if another actor would have done better than Jonah Hill. I think he did fine. I think think it was the part Mm -hmm. that was written. I think another actor would have played that better. I don't think he's got a skill for that kind of acting. Yeah. You know, where you can just sit still and be that quiet. I had a lot of problems with his character in general that don't relate to him necessarily. That what Maze is trying to say, though, is that the character is just sort of a kind of muted, like monotone personality period. Yeah, I mean, the part of the problem I had with the series is that while you kind of feel for the Emma Stone character because of her past and what she did and the decisions she made. Um, I never really felt invested in his character in a similar way. I don't think that he was a richly drawn character or like, you know, there's certain characters that are disturbed or broken that are created in novels that you can really get behind. And I just felt like they left this one kind of shallow. He comes to shine later in the series when he plays some of those alternate roles in the fantasy world. And he really does like he killed it in the Icelandic episode for me. He was, was, yeah, that was definitely him getting to act. And then I also thought he was good in the old Hollywood seance, uh, bit. I didn't love that episode, the fake noir thing. Yeah. That, that was the cloud Atlas thing to me where it's like, we're playing with genres now and we're really writing to an old kind of script. And Mm -hmm. I, I found that to be the weakest episode of them all. I enjoyed more the, uh, the long Island episode. Yeah. Uh, where he was kind of entertaining, you know, you, you kind of got a sense. Was that of the lemur it, one? The lemur yeah, one. Yeah, the okay. lemur. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was kind of not sold on the uh, the whole noir story. Interesting. Yeah, I feel that. Um, so the show basically starts in the, the retro futuristic world where we're not sure what time or place it is. And, that you know, since that's as far as AC... And Jade have gotten, you know, like the show takes one or two episodes to establish the world that we're in before diving full on uh, into the the drug trial, which has three phases. Each of them are different. Um, and then there's all of the all of the story with Dr. James Mantle Ray. Um, and I thought it was really interesting how the J- the Dr. James Mantle Ray parts felt like a completely different project. It's just there's a level of absurdity that is brought uh, with his introduction, with his issues with his mother, who's played so great by uh, greatly by Sally Field. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and like just kind of the reduction kind of just got dropped into the show like out of nowhere, yeah. and there's like no explanation as to why it's like why they brought him in. Well, kind of, but like I mean, it's just like why did the other guy just drop dead? You know. It kind Sorry, of it, it a brings a level of absurdity. It, it, yeah, it just uh, doesn't. It, it doesn't make the drug trial seem as serious as it seems to to Owen and Annie uh, when we have scenes from their perspective. You know, it yeah. kind of like deflates it a little bit. So I thought that was an interesting way that they they smashed it together. I mean, this show with all of the the drug phases manages to be a bunch of different. Like each episode has its own feel, like Jake was saying, um, especially once we get towards down the stretch. But what did you think of the the retro futuristic world? Like it really seemed like a mashup of Kurt Vonnegut, Blade Runner, Fifth mm-hmm. Element, 
Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of Wally Bots rolling around. <laughs> Fifth Element is a great comparison. Yeah. I thought Blade Runner early on when I thought we were doing something much more traditionally sci-fi yeah. and less mm-hmm. absurdist. Yes. Um, but you're right. Yeah. Fifth Element is a great comparison. Yeah, it has like that whole Vonnegut dystopian part. feel. Yeah, the dystopia. Uh, and then I, the the creations of the, the ad buddies. Yeah, and yeah, and I friend, like that friend proxy. Yeah. I like friend proxy, and I loved seeing our friend from High Maintenance make yeah. appearance. That, that was, was great. great cameo. I love that. <laughs> and then, of course, he manages to get the line in at the end. He's like, "Now I'm trapped in Bushwick." Yeah, that was nice. Which is totally something that his character would say in High yes. Maintenance. Yes, yes. Um, but it felt those bad buddies and friend proxy in particular felt like Black Mirror creations to me. For um, sure. And it, it definitely it, it's not as nearly as dark as Black Mirror, but mm-hmm. even like the even like the drug company kind of felt like an episode of Black Mirror that we might you, see. This- your your call of Black Mirror when we were texting was great. I mean, this is one of those things where I'm like, this might have been just a lot better as a two hour film. You know, it's like all, yeah. a lot of it seemed to me like they could have executed this in a much shorter time frame. Not everything needs to be 10 hours long. I think the strength of having it be a little bit longer is that you get to establish a few more things. Um, and, you know, spending two whole episodes before we even get to the drug trial, uh, having a whole episode after the drug trial to kind of like tie things off. And then to have these very, like, cause like you could have done a, the movie would have probably been like five minute intro, the three stages of the, the test. And then closing it up, you know, like the yeah, I like the setup. The setup but, worked but, for it, I think. Yeah, but you know, but it's like in those weird worlds of Michelle Gondry and Spike Jones, they're able to pull that off. You know, I mean, there was quite a bit of um, being John Malkovich here, and there was a lot of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yes, and both so of those were phase phenomenal. A is- phase A is straight ex- Eternal Sunshine, right? Um, Gertie is very similar. I'm going to pick a different Spike Jones movie for you. She's she's very like Samantha from her. Um, I didn't see that one. This is a problem for me. What? All this. It's it's too derivative <laughs> of too many things. Yes. So that's like, that's kind of like, the question that like I was great, getting at. Something that's great, yeah. like The Matrix, is derivative of something, but you don't know what because it's so original. Oh, totally, man. You know? Yeah, this yeah. it wasn't very oh, none yeah. of the concepts presented in the show are that. That's or what all I that felt original. when I first started watching it, it was just so hokey. You know, like when he's on the phone. I, I love this stuff though, so it, I'm kind of okay with it. it uh, I don't know. I, it, well, Jay, you know, it's the funny. Robot, I like, I the like poop shows. robot. I was so out yeah. when I saw that, I'm like, really? Oh, Is this out. a joke? <laughs> Is Wally, it, was it a joke though? Like it was such a bad robot, it's just just spraying Windex on the sidewalk without any. Like, was that the? I don't. Was it terrible on purpose? I don't. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I yeah, think so. Like, Instead of creating think, a future where everything is perfect and efficient, I mean, everything is kidding me. Badly and then I guess. It's like yeah, the, things are a little but in, not but perfect. But in the back, in the background, I just see normal people on a bike. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. Like, and, and what's what's preventing just some dude kicking that thing, turning it upside down? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably how it got there to the, to the part that it got stuck. Someone it just silly. put it on the tree stump. 
No, I think it's fair to everybody's point that the show isn't necessarily what you would call an original one. Um, I just think based off of just that one episode I see, and I, I, it, it did make me want to continue watching. There are some compelling, interesting things. Just fascination to to Jake's point, like what the hell am I watching? Like that that aspect of it kind of like intrigued me. And I always like weird type of things. But to Jay's point, yeah, like it. it it's hard to like really feel the need to be like, okay, I'm going to be really invested in this show because just simply put, it's, it's not original. I've seen funky stuff like that before eternal, uh, uh, sunshine of the spotless mind. Right. So like stuff like that, uh, lost, um, I know maze has mentioned that before as like a kind of comparison, stuff like that. So, I mean, I'm interested to see how it goes, but at the same time, I kind of have the understanding that, and then the Jonah Hill thing, like I had said uh, earlier, the Jonah Hill thing is just like a, I, I, I'm used to just seeing him a certain way. And maybe that's my own, maybe that's my own perception, but yeah. Well, wait, that's wait, have you seen the Billy Bean movie though? Well, yeah, he was fine in that. What was but that? I, the, uh, Moneyball. Moneyball. The A's Moneyball, yeah. Oh yeah, but he's a supporting character in that, right? And it's but a, it's, it's, it's not him. It's not him doing him, right? True. Yes, it's not. No, him it's right. He, well, he, he can act, but he yes. was good in he, Wolf of Wall does, Street too, even though that wasn't a good movie. He's he's mostly a talker. Like you, you want to set up Whoa. scenes where he talks a lot, Whoa. and this character Whoa. does not what talk. What did you say? Yeah. True. What? Slandering the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street had some very good scenes, but it's a terrible movie. I oh agree. my God. It's the most, it's the most entertaining, what? terrible movie ever made. Well, that's it's, different, though. That's, yeah. It's still a terrible movie. That's my favorite category. Leo, Jake. No, really? dude, I love Leo. Of all favorite time? Leo. Favorite oh, Leo. Oh, no way. Over Inception? Come on, oh, Maze. Yeah. Dude, Maze, come on. That's, That's not your for me. He's think, so good in that think, movie, dude. He should have won the Oscar for that oh. movie, but then <laughs> he had to go make the damn bear sex bear movie. movie. Love the bear oh, movie. God. Do not slander <laughs> that. Oh. <laughs> I'm not slandering the movie. I'm just saying, like, you know, he, got to, he did something that fit him really well, <laughs> and then he went and made a movie, movie <laughs> for the people to try to get an Oscar. Oh, he did. Jay did Anyways, he did. Hey, taking us all the way back. Natural lighting, back. Maze. Natural lighting. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, natural light. Long takes, Jade. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get in the river with them, all right? With Except the camera. Inception is a masterpiece. Speaking of Inception, phase B and C of the drug trial are pure Inception, uh, taking your subconscious, creating a new reality world uh, straight out of that, Especially, and then especially the very end of phase C uh, where it's, it's basically a mission, right? And it was very similar to international assassin episodes of The Leftovers. Uh, yeah. Another thing, have any of you guys seen The Fall by Tarsum Singh? No. no I watched not. The Fall, the show. Is that good? It's a movie. Oh, oh I'm sorry. No, I have not seen the movie. Uh, the Fall. It's, it, Tarsum Singh is like a really well-known commercial director. Didn't uh, he make the video for um, the R.E.M. song, um, That's yeah, Me think, in the Corner? Didn't that, that where he right. got his start? He did a lot. He did music videos. Losing My Religion. That was it. Losing, losing my religion, religion. Uh, and he made this movie this bad movie it was his only real uh like studio film called the cell with vince vaughn and jennifer lopez back in the day yeah. uh, but he made this movie called the fall uh on his own time on within his own money 
Uh, whenever he would fly to a crazy location to shoot it for a commercial, he would fly the actors out and they'd shoot some scenes. And the the premise of that movie is that uh, a char- a character, a stuntman in a hospital tells a story to a little girl uh, and he's just making it up as he goes. And we see the story from her imagination. So it's it's like a fairy tale, essentially. And all of the characters from the hospital are cast into the the story to play all the parts because it's the girl's imagination. So all of that uh, reminded me of that. It's another very visually stylistic movie. Um, and I think to you guys' point, I, I'm not sure that this show was that well written, but it was amazingly made. And I think that's mm-hmm. why it works for me is because yeah. Kerry Fukunaga is really talented and he got to do whatever he wanted in this, in this show. Who, yeah, I mean, like, how do you know who's, whose imagination you're watching in a situation like this? Because I, I do like his style, obviously. I thought True, Direct, True Detective was incredible, and it seemed to be largely because of his voice, as well as the voice of Nick Pizzicato. But I lost faith in Pizzicato's voice when I saw season two, yeah. you know, and we know uh, we know they separated for that season. Um, and you know, the visual execution was good and the performances were great. I mean, there were some really great scenes, right? I mean, yeah. Gabriel Byrne was unbelievable mm-hmm. in his limited appearances. Sally Field talking to herself. Right? The brother was pretty tremendous. Yeah. Uh, that that actor's been around. Yeah, but his performance as both the the imagined brother mm-hmm. and then the actual brother were pretty remarkable. So it had these tremendous elements and tremendous moments. And I do think that Iceland episode with the with the alien was a great episode. Yeah. Like I was bumming when that one came to an end. And I would that was the one pure comedy episode where I seemed to understand that the tone was clear and simple, you know, like it was hard to know sometimes how to react to the show because it got so melodramatic and, and it got really overwrought with the emotional component. Um, and that's a hard thing to navigate, you know? So I didn't know who, who that was. Was that the writer trying to make us feel when we'd rather just laugh? Was it, the director wanting us to feel tension, you know, it's like, so I, I agree visually. It was remarkable. I left it not quite convinced it was successful, but having largely enjoyed the experience. Um, so that's really it. I'm only about seven episodes in, but I get the feeling that the they are trying to elicit your just like feelings from you. It's like, they're trying to get you to feel like what the characters are feeling like in an unexpected kind way. Of, yeah. Like that's the, I mean, at least that's what I'm getting out of it through, you know, the first three quarters is that it's trying to make you relate to, I mean, therapy, like therapy like, and depression and stuff like that. And like the things people experience. Right. But like, if you look at Dr. Strangelove and there's kind of a lot of this Dr. Strangelovian type of performance going on, right? Like, especially with, um, what was Mantle his name Ray. again? Mantle Ray's character, right? That's very much a Peter Sellers type. No, type of yeah, that's great. That's a great point. Um, and so how do you then get people to feel traditional emotions when you're putting that on them? You know, that's true. 
Do you yeah, know what I mean? That's 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 so, something I want to get into. Maybe we'll talk about it next week or on the mailbag a bit. Just like you know, getting into more of like the, the actual plot aspects and and the results of the journey that we go on. I I was pleasantly surprised with how I felt at the ending. Uh, I I enjoyed it and it it made me you know feel pretty good about the show. So that'll be fun to talk about in the future. But I definitely recommend it. Uh, you know, if you can push through the first episode yeah, without it is a push. wanting to break it, like Jade, <laughs> it's yeah. like a push. It, but it is a push. But it's, I got through. Tough. I got through. I would but even it's say not the, the it's, first It changes two. so dramatically as soon as you get yeah. to like three, five. It just keeps changing. Yeah, I think so. once the drug trial starts, it's, I mean, I, I was all in by then. Oh, oh mm-hmm. sure. all right. I'm intrigued then. I'll take yeah. a look. All right, cool. So yeah, Maniac. new segment on the tv book club this is ac spotlight on television this week i'm taking a look at the dc comics streaming service now available to all with phones fire sticks tablets and more now the dceu has been a sore subject for many fans when it comes to movies but with streaming being the big cayman down dc is taking a crack at it Premiering October 12th is DCU Titans, based off of the Teen Titans series. Now, the trailer admittedly made me laugh a little when they were clearly going for gritty, but I will give this a chance. There is a question, though. When is enough enough? Superheroes have been the wave in the movies and even more in television. The CW is well covered with The Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow, and we all know how Netflix is in the game with Marvel. There's even going to be a Disney streaming service coming in the not-too-distant future with characters based off of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Content is king, and I understand wanting to capitalize on the relevancy of masked men and women and their stories these days. I can't help but wonder if this won't be the success that DC was looking for. On a grander scale, in general, it may be time to scale back a little, because as writers become more evolved and directors get smarter and more advanced and more nuanced, there's an opportunity to tell more diverse stories and not just remakes of everything. You can't put everything in the microwave, and sometimes even these heroes won't be able to save the day when it comes to our entertainment. I mean, bottom line is, we've seen this iteration, and I know Waz talks about this all the time, and everything is superhero movies, and everything is superhero movies, and and shows, and content, and stuff like that. And it's crazy that we're getting a a Disney streaming service that's going to have similar types of things, these types of shows, and uh, DC Comics, the same thing. It is exhausting, I do have to say, even as somebody who is such a proponent of all of these things. So I, I think in general, when it comes to content and you know, what we look for. There's just so many outlets that we get them from. Obviously, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime. It's just all over the place. And they keep growing. And I wonder, is it, are we just looking for just anything to watch? Because obviously, not everything is quality. So I think they're just deciding to go with quantity and just throwing everything that they could throw out there. So I think it's a it's a legit question to ask. When is enough enough? I know, Jade, you've said this in the past that, you know, you got to at some point chill out with it. And I 
tend to kind of agree here. It's kind of gotten to be a little bit too much for me. Um, are you saying that Disney's creating their own streaming service with all new original content or that will also be the only way you can access sort both. of all of the movie? Both. It's actually it's actually both like yeah. like the, the DC uh, streaming service like has all of the DC movies um, all of the animated movies and they're uh-huh. creating they're creating original content original series uh, Disney's doing the same thing like Marvel Cinematic Universe fans will know Loki and Scarlet Witch two characters from the Avengers movies are getting their own TV shows yeah um, wow. that so, seems uh, excessive and unnecessary here's um, the thing I it's can't a fair, it's wait. a fair question till it's over <laughs> honestly I it's can't wait to end, read Jake. about the Star Wars film that grosses a hundred K on opening. They're never going to end. It's yeah, not going to end. I want, I want total disaster. See, I think solo was the first time where we saw a star failure. Wars movie just That's a not, failure. Just but bomb. I want it. I want a disaster. I want a, I want a catastrophic thing. <laughs> just a horrible, horrible. <laughs> like it, it came out and did like Kevin Spacey movie numbers. Like twenty six oh people went in Manhattan. I mean, but the, so the Star Wars like Disney, were Disney really lost a billion dollars. They kept making them. Wait, afterwards. what did Solo make? Sorry, four hundred million, not billion. Messed that up. Four hundred <laughs> million worldwide. That's a lot. I mean, even if it cost them a billion, that's still yeah forty percent, right? Yeah, like I, I want it to like do a hundred dollars. I think this is the thing, like Avengers Infinity War, what, crossed $2 billion worldwide? So it's like when you make that type of money, you can it's fail. Ju- yeah, you can. Yeah, you even if it's can. not good, it's like you just keep making them because they're going to make money. It doesn't now, matter if it's good or not. Now, of course, Eden, I would say that Avengers Infinity War was very good. but no, I'm not saying that about that specific movie. I just mean in right. general, how many like bad, like just it's just drivel out there in the same story over and over. Like I, it's... Well, it's and the, just that's repetitive. Different. Yeah, I actually, I actually do agree with you. I think that there is going to be a, uh, there's going to be an issue in the future at some point because I think there's only so many stories that you can tell. You, and I'm not gonna lie, I liked that stuff before the market was completely saturated with it, and now it's just to the point where it's it's you're watching movie after movie of very similar plot lines. And it's just I'm just not interested anymore. It was yeah. fun when they put out like one a year or something. Yeah, and well, it's you know what's bizarre to me is like how like okay you get through one Spider-Man reiteration with Sam Raimi, and yeah. then boom they're rebooting it all over again. And now well, they're Spider-Man rebooting was Batman. A disaster, yeah. It's like it's yeah. like leave shit alone for a while. Like there should be like a 15 year moratorium. Yeah, like wait yeah. a while before yeah. you're doing it. You don't have to reboot it right away. Well, they did the thing they did the same thing with uh they did the same thing with Batman. Like after Christian Bale yeah. did the Batman and Nolan's Batman, I think they could have taken a longer break, but I think there was I think DC saw what Marvel was doing and how Marvel had mapped out their plan and right. was able to make that much money and tried to almost like hot shot it into the same thing and yeah. it just didn't work because i think like one of those things is like re- regardless of whether we think the stories are repetitive the one thing that the mcu does do to its credit is they have mapped this out like way beyond like they have taken the time to legitimately legitimately like look at hmm, what story makes sense here what are we going to do and like and where can we connect them yeah there we bow go down to kevin feige he's yes. he's the guy but uh, but 
I, and I'm in on the Marvel Cinematic movies, but I'm yeah. not in on the Netflix. I'm not in on uh, whatever the one on ABC is. The little and, spinoff ones, yeah, the Marvel Runaways, Agents of Shield, or whatever. And oh, I'm yeah, not, so I'm bad. not gonna, I'm not in on like the the Green Arrow, Flash universe. You know, like there's the TV. I'm not as interested in the movies. I can get into, yes. you know. But but just continuing to expand, having your own streaming service, making more shows, it's like, okay, I already wasn't watching a certain level of it, you know? So it's like, it's just how how far down are you willing to go? Well, well it's almost like the NFL in a sense. Like, how, like. Much, is, how much is too much? Yeah. What's and, AC? What's the Netflix show about the guy who doesn't feel pain? Oh, Luke Cage? Luke, isn't that a good one? Um, I, it had a lot of issues in, oh. in season two. And I think uh, I've talked about this before, like Netflix shows, especially particularly the Marvel ones and sorry, Karima, I know that's your, that's your thing, but, <laughs> but, it, but the, but the issue with them is, it's like, they don't have enough story to justify 13 episode seasons, which yeah. is why they cut iron fist down to 10 episodes because it, like you spend two or three episodes waiting around for something to happen and oh, kind yeah. of being in a placeholder type of situation and things are spinning around and you're just waiting for something to happen as opposed to having a complete story mapped right. out to right. where you can get from point a to point B to point C to point D and call it a day. And it's just, yeah, it's just not, it's just not the same quality um, that you would expect from TV shows like Better Call Saul or um, The Deuce or, or any of these shows that we watch on streaming services. Like, it's a different type of... I mean, it's more of the escapism aspect of things. I mean, I'm I'm curious as to... Uh, so, like, I'm I'm all for continue, like making more shows because, you know, the, the TV landscape is oversaturated in general, not even just spe- specifying it to, to, like, superhero shows. But yeah, it's... When you make when you make a monster like the Netflix combo where you have the defenders and what there's four people in the defenders and they all have their own show, right? Yes. So what happens if you just make a turd like Iron Fist? You can't just cancel Iron Fist. Well, like, that's the problem. I think I think you're making into a the great machine. point. Yes. That's a great point that you just made. Because when you make a mistake of casting who the uh finn jones in that role and then what ends up happening is in this particular season of iron fist they are spending time building up every single character around him to prop him up and hide him in a sense and it's so clear that they're trying to hide him so that's like recasting him or just writing him out would like not work it would would like reflect badly on the defenders right there'd be ripple effects and stuff so it's like I don't know. And then we also, you know, we don't we just don't know anything about what type of ratings these shows are doing, especially the Netflix ones, like what what is good enough to keep them on the air? What is Netflix trying to accomplish with this? You know, yes. there's so many questions because they keep their data so close to the vest. They have um, a boatload of money. So they, they can just make, have. Yeah, they, they just can make keep whatever making they want to make. Yeah. Make another one. Yeah, so so this this has been AC Spotlight on TV this week. <laughs> <laughs> nice job. Nice. I like Close it. That off. Great job. Yeah. Love Done. that. Yeah, yeah. Let's just go around.
and check in and, and see what everybody's watching with their time now. Eden, now that the sinner is out of your life, what's what's filled the void? Um, well, I've been watching a lot of Maniac. I just started The Deuce and Insecure, so I'm like just ca- playing catch up, really. Season one or season two? Season one of both. Nice. All yeah. right. Yeah. So, so I'm catching up to do. A little bit Watch- in the bank there. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Matt? What do you What do you got going on? Uh, at the moment, we're watching a show from last year called Atypical, which is about uh, a kid with autism, and it's a really it's a light drama, but it's uh, it's fun and it's also a really good uh, window into the life of, you know, people and fa- people with autism and families and the people around them. Yeah, it's good stuff. And that's on Netflix, right? It, it's on Netflix, and we're just about to start Maniac as well. So yeah, maybe I'll have some comments on that in the future. Jake, you crushed through uh, Breaking Bad again. Yeah. You know, obviously, you got Saul and and the Deuce and Maniac. Is there anything else that uh, that made its way under your screens lately? I just um, did the first episode of Ozark to see how that feels. Ozark the, two. Uh, first episode, season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did it feel? You dipped your toe in the water. Was it uh, was it warm <laughs> enough? <laughs> Great closing scene. I love the right. pilot nice. for the show in general. The original pilot. It was one of the best pilots I ever saw. Tremendous. Great and the setup. Show, and then the show for me went down. And then the show happened. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I agree, Jay. I just don't understand why people have people see in that I forget. Show. Did you did you finish the season, Jay, no, or no, did you I bail? Failed. I'm a bailer. You bailed. Yeah. I'm a bailer. Yeah. I don't have the attention. It did have it. a lull in the middle of the season. It did Jay, have a it, big it lull. My mom said, get, wait till episode eight. I was like, eight? I, yeah. I, failed. Yeah. I was at three. <laughs> you need the cartel in That's that funny. show. You need the cartel. It just got and you too. Need the it just got too goofy and and it went. It went. It's basically what I loved about it was the, the, when it started. It wasn't Jason Bateman. I'm not a big Bateman guy. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not big on his his, his shtick. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it got into his whole his world. In episode yeah. three, and the, the and, and the criminals were funny. All of a sudden, I was like, I can't do this. You know, <laughs> it's just too, it was too. It hokey. got pretty dark, though. It got pretty dark and tense in the oh, end yeah. run, yeah. and I thought it was pretty good. at no, I sort like, of selling that world. You know, the, the the ringer guys love it. You know, I and, and I love way, our friends. Very dark. Like it's, yeah, it, it, oh, I think it's okay. worth persisting. If you can push through that lull in the second, uh, the first season, it's worth pushing through and watching. I think we're still watching it. Nice. So AC, uh, what is it? Iron Fist? Yes. Did you finish it yet? Iron Fist. I'm out on, on, on a lead white character for a show like Iron Fist. Uh, that's a huge, yeah, totally. that's a huge issue. The one thing I will say about Iron Fist is I think all the characters around the show were propped up very well this season. And it seems like they kind of realized that the, the main character is a problem. So they kind of put him to the background and kind of elevated uh, people like uh, Jessica Henwick, who plays uh, Colleen, Colleen Wing on the show. She she was a standout this season. And the show, they changed the fight coordinators, the stunt coordinators. They did a lot of different things there. So I thought it was an overall much better season. But in all those uh, Marvel Netflix shows, you can only expect so, so much. much. <laughs> yeah. Current, like currently, otherwise, obviously huge into insecure. At some point, I'm sure we're going to do a show on it. Yeah, uh, I think we're going to do a 
end of season what is it Royal, season three, season three. Uh, yeah. full recap because it's not really an episode by episode show but yeah yeah um uh, otherwise uh jack ryan it's uh something i've been watching with my wife it's really really good so far halfway through the first four episodes have been really tremendous and i've heard nothing but good things from the people who have watched it beforehand so it huh. kind of sets so it kind of set me up for for something positive and so far it's been really good um wendell pierce from the wire remember him as bunk oh yeah um, love him He's really good in his role as a uh, Jack Ryan's handler, um, and so far the story has been really good. So I'm looking forward to finishing that. So that's really what, what I've been uh, checking into, and obviously the stuff that uh, we've been watching. Maniac, I'm going to definitely continue and, uh, and and try and finish up within the next week or so. So that'll be interesting to get into. Yeah, for me, it's pretty much the same stuff. You know, Ballers, worst show in the world, Hate Watch of the Week, uh, Insecure, <laughs> The Deuce. Better Call Saul, uh, Always Sunny, I'm one behind on. Lodge 49, I'm one behind on. But The Good Place starts tomorrow. It's all Good Place. Oh, yeah? You're a big fan of that? I love the good place. I've heard it's good great things. Show. I, love I love it too. too. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. It's a pr- it, and I love the fact that it's popularizing philosophy too. The the moral yeah. philosophy stuff is really interesting. And and I did uh, philosophy at university uh, <laughs> yeah, many made, years ago, and, and it, they do it well. Digestible for the American public. It's it's pretty yeah cool. exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Complex concepts and and you know years of thought condensed into a thirty minute comedy. It's pretty. Oh, dope. so it's a, um, so it's a sitcom length. Yeah, it's it's uh it's Mike Schur, uh who did Parks and Rec, you know, helped create Brooklyn Nine Nine, wrote on The Office. So it's it's his his brand, but uh, w- pretty creative. Ted Danson is incredible in it. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm excited for that. I know that uh, like Jake Christie and I think Zach watches that, so maybe we'll talk yeah. about that on the on the mailbag. Uh, wait, me. Oh, Jade. Although I usually only watch, watch one Jade? show and it is Saul, but I, I I'm doing this Seinfeld recap series with some of the people on patreon so i did seinfeld season one nice oh nice uh which is an interesting classic interesting how many episodes uh, was that five like wow. wait what five episodes yeah it's really yeah. A, trial. it's actually i think four because the first the one the first one is the pilot right and oh, they did right and then there's the like two three four and five mm-hmm. and two is really where like the pilot is so strange it's really it's it's very different. The diner's different. They call Kramer Kessler. Um, so two oh, is really? two is the true kind of opener uh, to the That's show. That's funny. And then the, is, da- um, the dad's different. It's the um, it's not the the dad that you you end up uh-huh. knowing. Um, no Newman. It's it's all. What, what struck me the most though is like they, to Newman. they never leave Jerry. It's always in Jerry's purview, right? So. The, the, and as you know, the show gets really good when they start changing. You know, characters have their own scenes, obviously, right? So, but Did, pretty um, nice. a lot of stand-up, was, too. I was taking, like, was, so much stand-up. Uh, you know, like, they would do three, three, four minutes of stand-up in some of these episodes. Kind of like Louis style. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you, um, was that a mid-season replacement? Is that how Seinfeld got started? Seinfeld mm, debuted in the summer. Like, a summer series. It was July, like July 7th, 1990 or something. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I was in the show. I was, you know, because I you remember Lily, my girlfriend, Lily, Jake. Way back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We used to, we watched that show in real time, you know, like when right. it was happening. I don't know if you did. Right. You didn't, did you? Me? No. Yeah. 
See, I watched no. it when it first came out because that's what, you know, I was hanging what out with my girlfriend. What year was it? What year did you say it was? 90. 90. So I was in college. No, I didn't really have access. I mean, especially in the summer. Um, no, I really, you know, that TV was kind of a mystery at that point, like between 88 and 92. The only thing I remember is the original Twin Peaks and, and, and <laughs> The Simpsons. Uh, uh, Shots of the Simpsons. Yeah, so yeah. we're, we're going to do the whole, we're doing the whole thing. So. Oh, looking forward to listening. All right. So thanks for joining us on the TV Book Club. Uh, check out the Patreon where Jake and I are going to dive into the deuce. Uh, to Matt Ruffin, to Ian Liu, uh, Jake Hoy, super producer, Jade Hoy, Anthony Canton III. Uh, thanks so much for coming with us, and we'll see you next week. Later. All right. Thanks, y'all. Customers are gone and your stories on the rocks. Spread around the gas because it's time to torch the stock. But you got to move quick before you send your own hair. Who knew there was a homeless guy sleeping in there? Better call Saul. Better call Saul. FBI finds kids trapped in your creepy van You stay real cool and tell them you're the ice cream man But all that crying just gave you away Who you gonna call to skip a prison stay? Saul, Saul, you better call Saul To fight for your rights when your back's to the wall Stay to the man, justice for all You better call Saul You best call now, you hear?